three weeks ago, four weeks ago, we were not thinking that this is how we're going to be conducting service here. I didn't think I was going to be speaking, all right, to a large and empty auditorium here. And everybody's at home. So this is a change. Okay? And there's an inability in our own humanity to produce results. The contrary wins there. Our humanity cannot reach it. And so it says this, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself maketh intercession with groanings that cannot be uttered. And this is what it takes. This groanings and travail of the Spirit where we go before God there in prayer. And it says, He that searcheth the heart knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, for he is making intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So the way he helps is, first of all, through this travel in prayer, and then the examination of Scripture to recognize what Jesus is saying and doing. Uh, I mean, in the book of Acts, when they were, this what we're talking about, they were speaking and um, glorifying God after they got saved. People looked and said, these people are drunk with wine. They said, no, this is that which is written. This is that which is written. That's the way you meet it. This is that which is written. So we need to find which, that this is that which is written. Then interpret, all right, what Jesus is saying and then work on, on that particular thing and receive him in that particular context within our lives. So if we put up Acts chapter 11, I just want to say one more thing before we get into communion here. Acts chapter 11 and verse 27. Now, there was a time that there was famine that was going to happen, all right, within the land. And, this, and, and in these days came prophets from Jerusalem to Antioch, and they prophesied. And there stood up one of them named Agabus and signified by the Spirit that there will be great death throughout the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. So there was a prophetic utterance about it. God always has a prophetic word concerning these things. It's somewhere in the scriptures. Now, verse 29. And then it goes on and says, And then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren, will dwelt at Judea. So somebody prophesied that there was going to be famine throughout the entire world. And look at what their response was. And so it's about your own response to this. And their response was, they determined that they were going to get contributions. Please, can you put that scripture back up? They were going to get contribution. Every man, according, yeah, wanna, according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea. Now, with what is going on on the earth now, right, and, and it's not just a health problem. It, the bigger problem has become an economic problem now. That's the, that's the bigger problem that is going on right now in the world all right there's the health problem but then there's the bigger problem that is now evolving which becomes an economic problem that can now create even more health problems if you understand what i'm saying if people lose their jobs and massive people um i mean can't find work if, if if currencies are flying everywhere so it can create another set of dysfunction within humanity now this is important as a Christian. During these times, I mean, everybody's going out, and I'm, I'm not blaming people for this, I'm not condemning this, but everybody's thinking about themselves and grabbing things to themselves in the sense that stock, stocking up their house, and, but I'm not condemning that, but I want us to recognize something that the kingdom of God, the way it operates, is as a seed which is smaller than all the other seeds that are cast into the ground. When it grows up, 
it becomes a massive tree and the Bible says that it creates the shade and the fouls of the air come under it. So any person who is a kingdom minded person, this is how you've got to think during this time. And anybody that thinks during this time this way will be touching on the mind of Jesus and entering into something about Jesus. Remember the widow of Zarephath during the famine, she thought about feeding somebody else. Let's just take it that way. She thought about feeding somebody else and that's how she got her sustenance. Now it's important that famine was going to be around the world, yet these people according to their own ability, got, they took all that have been affected by it to send relief. Now, the issue is, everybody has a social ladder within your life, particularly if you're an adult, and, and you're working, and there are people in that ladder there that are the lower ebb of the ladder, less powerful financially, less powerful socially than you are, but they are connected to you. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, people saying people should know, personal responsibility here to help to take care of people who are weaker than you quote unquote socially financially during this time as individuals that you look down that ladder right let's say you have a driver who takes you to work who takes you to the shop you bought things and stocked up but what about him what about his family what about the children a fraction of that will be a massive blessing to that person. There are people that walk around you, that work for you, that help you in various ways that are lower there and have less power to actually help and create a covering for themselves during this time. And it can be very devastating for them. And, and it's important, all right, that, 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 I mean, if you are an organization, if you lead a corporation, you lead a company, start thinking about how can I help people? Uh, children are going to be home, all right, from school uh, tomorrow. People, what, what kind of ways can we design? I mean, these are adverse times. Nobody, uh, people don't have children, they, they, it's not because they, are, they want to be lazy. So there are some principles you have in your organization you may have to bend, all right, to accommodate certain things. Even if it's to tell people that you can work at home to, to be able to take care of your children and so there has to be this adjustment we have to begin to make and people that make this adjustment this is one of the major things about Jesus going past alright it's a releasing compassion from us at a much higher level than we have ever operated in and not just thinking alright about yourself some people I mean God forbid if it, if, if, if it really particularly in certain nations if it really gets worse then, then there could be real difficulty for some people. And it's important, all right, that, that, that people that have in store find creative ways. Now, you have to find, all right, creative ways of doing this in God's wisdom so that your act of good it doesn't become detrimental, all right, to the collective there. I mean, a fellow suggested to me that why don't we just buy stuff and, and give out to people and these are medical things like maybe and give out to and I told the person and, and uh, that look if you take these things off the market there are people that really need them that will not have access to them alright because you are trying to people that are better in society require or need them better for example in America uh, some corporations bought up ventilators bought up gloves bought up all that for their staff they stocked it up they are not making use of it the, because it's off the market here then the medical people that really need it 
can no longer have access to that so they are now told to cut bandanas put it i mean and so your act of good has become detrimental all right to the collective so it's something you've got to think about all right during this time pray about it and find ways in which you can show compassion onto people uh, lastly talking about communion right i'll close with this and we've talked about the fact that um the passover it tells us that the way in which god delivered the nation of israel was the principle of the passover and the passover there was sacrificed all right and and people were supposed to sacrifice a lamb every family and apply the blood to their doorposts and they were to feed on that particular lamb there and then apply the blood eat its flesh and then apply the blood to their doorposts jesus spoke about the fact that whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood he says that person has life in him he wasn't talking about cannibalism he was symbolic about something here. So, eating the flesh of Jesus, the Bible says the word became flesh. This is a time you should spend time in God's word. You, you know, the scripture says that, uh, my son, it says, attend to my words, incline your ear unto my saints, let them not depart out of your eyes. Um, 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 uh, keep them in the midst of your heart, for their life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. The word health, that means healing to their flesh. So during this time where there might be less activity, all right, on the outside because people may be staying more, doing social distancing, spend time with the Word of God and eat that flesh. There's life inside. Spend time with the Bible. Spend time inside the Word of God and load your heart with God's Word. And then also, all right, have your confessions about what the blood of Jesus Christ has done for at release. We can put that out on, on a website for people to pick that up make powerful confessions about the blood but then it was the passover and god had said about the passover in exodus chapter 12 he had said that this ordinance was actually going to be forever he said this shall be an ordinance of eating the passover forever all right throughout all generations and then jesus now on the day before the Passover, when they were eating the Passover in the nation of Israel, just before he got crucified, showed us something about the Passover. And he took bread and he broke it. And usually they just eat the Passover as in eating bread and all of that. But he did something significant that night and said, this is what? And this is the only ordinance that was left for the New Testament. And we'll see this. And he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my bread, body which is broken for you. Eat. And he took the cup and said, this is my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, Paul now went through. All right. Now, let's put that scripture. Let's read it here. Okay. So, this is how the... Go back to the Matthew. The scripture you put up. All right. Okay. So, they were eating the Passover. And this is just natural eating the Passover. But then... He now, Jesus, as they were eating, took bread and blessed it. So he was doing something definite. And gave it to the disciples and said, take it, this is my body. And then next verse said, and he took the cup and gave thanks. And then gave it to them and said, drink ye all of it. And then he went on and said, for this is my blood of the New Testament. So he was upgrading this, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Verse 29 and then he says, But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this until I dare I drink it. Now, when we get to 1 Corinthians 
chapter first Corinthians and chapter let me see it here first Corinthians and chapter all right okay um, verse 24 okay let's go up to verse 22 okay verse 23 that's fine now this is Paul and Paul was not there so he this is not you know he wasn't Paul wasn't there when this happened and he said for I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you now Paul wrote this letter and Paul wasn't there so he said and I received this of the Lord so there was revelation concerning what Jesus did please let's go back to Matthew that scripture in Matthew so, so we see this let's go back alright let's go up to say Matthew 20 26 20 and when evening was coming he sat down with his twelve and, and as did he eat alright let's go to tw- verse 15 let's start from 15 what will you give me and deliver unto you? All right. Next, next verse, 16. Uh, so, all right. Verse 17. On the first day of the feast of the unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Where will thou that may prepare for thee to eat the Passover? Now, so there was just how they ate the Passover, which was just like a feast back then. Okay? So the essence of it had been lost. They just used to eat a feast. Now, verse 18. And he says, and he said, go into the city to such a man and say unto him, Master, saith, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. And, and so they just prepare what they call the Passover. And the disciples did as Jesus appointed them and they made ready the Passover. So it was a meal. And when the evening was come, he sat with the twelve. So they sat with the meal there. And as they did eat, he said, verily I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Verse 22. And they were exceeding sorrowful and all of that. Now verse 24. Let's go 24 quickly. Alright. The son of man goeth. Now verse 26. Alright. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread. So he now did something. And blessed it. Alright. So they were eating the Passover. He now took bread. So they were already eating. Now do you see this? It wasn't a prayer for, for them to eat. You get this? They were already eating. It wasn't like he looked at the Passover and said, let us pray over the Passover. They were eating. They were already eating. Then it suddenly he took bread, all right, and blessed it and broke it and then gave it to his disciples and said, take it. This is my body. Totally different from what was going on initially. And then took the cup and gave thanks. And then gave it to them and said, drink ye all of it. And the disciples were, what's he talking about? Now, so when we get to First Corinthians 11 and verse 24, all right, uh, verse 23. All right, he says, For I received of the Lord that which he delivered, which also I delivered unto you. So he received it. So this, this, is, this is something spiritual. That the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And he says, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And, and he says, Same man I took the cup and supped saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink it, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. So this is something you are doing. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood. He then say, who drinks it, who is not worthy to drink it and drinks it. He's saying, who does it unworthily, which means you don't place the sense of worth upon that thing. You are doing it in an un, you un, unworthily, which means you are not treating it right. All right? Now, let's go on. Unworthily, 
all right but let him examine himself and so let him eat of that bread and drink so examine and then eat and drink and then he goes on and says for he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself not discerning the lord's body and then he says for this cause many are weak sickly among you and many sleep and then he goes on and says but if you will judge yourselves you will not be judged and then he says, but when you are judged, you are chastened of the Lord, that you may not be condemned with the world. So it's important at this particular point in time that as we come to the table here, that you don't get condemned with the world, you judge yourself. And it's a time to really reflect, all right? The body and the blood has been shed, blood has been shed, body has been broken for you. And at this juncture, I'll ask people that it's a communion service. It's important. And I'll just give you some time to get your elements together. All right. You can just get bread, whatever it is. All right. And cup for your family. Uh, because you want to partake of this. And it's the Passover over your house. And you do this with a sense of worth. All right. To this particular ordinance. But because it's almost the representation of what the nation of Israel did when they sacrificed the Passover and ate the flesh to come out of the judgment that was going on in the land of Egypt. And so I'll go up to the elements there and give you time also to get it together for all your family there because you want to partake of this particular thing. Right? And I will give an opportunity to people if you do not know Jesus Christ at this juncture as your personal Lord and Savior, you have never received him into your life. And you have never confessed him. Maybe you've attended church, you're a religious person, but you've never received him and come into that covenant that he has ordained between man and God. And you want to do that this moment before we partake of the table of the Lord and become part and parcel of of the body of Christ on the earth and become part and member and a citizen of the kingdom. He shed his blood for every single person. The Bible says he died not just as a propitiation for us who are Christians but for the entire world. This is an offer, a blow, an offer to the entire world that if you want to, all right, be invited and come into this blood covenant and covering here. I would like to pray with you. So if you want to do that, just bow your head where you are and just make this confession with me. And declare after me, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I believe you sent your son to die for my sins. And on the third day he was raised up from the dead. He died for the remission of all of my sins. And he was raised up from the dead for my justification. I confess that through the blood of Jesus Christ, my sins are hereby remitted. I declare Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. And I say that I'm a child of God delivered from the power of darkness and transplanted into the kingdom of his dear son. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, there's um, an email address and some other information that will be scrolled according to the, uh, 
across the screen at this particular moment and um, um, send an email to it right, to that particular address there and we will reach you and get in contact with you. So right now we'll go to the table there where we're going to partake of the communion today. All right, and um, partake of the table of the Lord. All right, and I believe every single person is ready at this moment. Okay, the first thing is to take bread and please do examine yourself. If there's sin going on in your life, judge yourself. If there's unforgiveness going on, judge yourself. This season has you have no luxury of walking in unforgiveness of entertaining any bitterness in your heart towards any person, any member of the body of Christ. You may have been legitimately offended or betrayed by people. It's not a time to hold anything against. It's a time of inward cleansing for God's people. Because he says our Lord is a consuming fire. There's a cleansing that is going on on the inside. And so, uh, um, the Bible says that when they kept the Passover and the blood of sprinkling, the evil one could not touch them. So it's very important. It says if we judge ourselves, we will not be judged with this world. So coming to the table here to partake of the body and the blood of Jesus. So take some time here. All right. If there's any known sin in your life, confess it and declare in the name of Jesus and the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And have come before the table of the Lord. Say this to partake of his body and to partake of his blood. I declare in the name of Jesus, you are my Passover, Jesus Christ, that was sacrificed for me, that the angel of death and the spirit of infirmity will not enter into my house in the name of Jesus Christ. By this action in obedience, I release my faith in the sacrifice of Jesus. These are symbols. The reality is that Jesus shed his blood for me, and I release my faith in the blood of Jesus as the sole power to preserve me upon this earth. And I therefore confess that that blood is my covering at this particular moment in the name of Jesus. And you take the bread there and break it and then partake of it. And declare health into your body. Declare scriptures that you are healed by the stripes of Jesus from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. If you are the head of that house, your father there, declare it all over your children. It's your responsibility to do that. And then take the cup and partake of the blood. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus. We thank you that he shed his blood on the cross for us and his body was broken that as might be whole and completely healed in Jesus' name. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818-600-0082. God bless you.
Hi and welcome this morning to our service. Um, it's great to have you online with us. Uh, today I was teaching for about 35 minutes um, on the subject of how to respond correctly to this season we are in. And then we'll go into a time of having communion. And then after that, I will hand you back over to the panel who will be um, taking you on an enlightened discussion on the practical steps actually handling this COVID-19 um, situation. So we're dealing with the spiritual and then also with the natural, right? In this church, we teach that there is the spiritual, which is rain from heaven, that's the power of God. But for any seed to grow, it also requires nutrients that are found on the earth. So heaven supplies its substance, and then the earth also gives information. And it's the combination of the nutrients on the earth within the earth and the rain that comes out of heaven that brings about growth and the development of a vision. So as we do, first of all, um, start out by taking a confession of faith uh, before we get into the message. So let's just take a confession of faith as we do. One, two, go. As I say to listen to the word of God today, a door of utterance has been opened unto us. And I hear the voice of God clearly speaking to me. This is the way to go. Walk ye in it. I listen under the influence of the Spirit of God. I am not distracted by anything or anyone. The Word of God is food to my spirit. I am strengthened by it this morning. It is wine to my heart, creating joy within me. It is oil to my face, causing my life to shine giving me victory in everything I do. As my eyes make contact with the scriptures used in this message, the Spirit of God opens new things to me. He also brings to my remembrance things Jesus once showed me. I come to understand God's system on the earth, and I receive instruction, encouragement, correction, and the enablement to live out God's will. Amen. All right, today I'll be starting out from... Um, James chapter 3, and um, we started speaking about this in our midweek session um, on Thursday, and we talked about um, the fact that uh, the scripture says that ships, though they be so great, are driven of fierce winds, and it tells us um, in James here chapter 3, and we, I, want, I want to get into something. It says, my brethren, from verse 1, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive great condemnation. He says, For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, he is a perfect man and is able to bridle his whole body. Then he says, Behold, which means look, examine. It's important. We put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about the entire body. We've talked about this in the past, that in order to control the body of a horse that is so strong, what we discovered is that once you put a bit in its mouth, uh, humanity tried every way to control all right, the horse. Uh, held the tail, held the legs, held nothing, the neck. Then they discovered that the key all right, to the way in which the body of that horse will move is what all right, is really going on in the mouth of the horse. So they put bits in the mouth's horse so that it might turn about a whole body. And then he says, Behold, sheep, though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, 
yet they are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth, even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. So here it speaks about the winds, though they be so great, or the ships rather, though they be so great, are driven of fierce winds. But then it tells us the role of the tongue. And we have a very fierce wind that is blowing globally at this particular moment. It's unprecedented. In modern history, we have never seen anything like this. And what I want to communicate here is the mind of God concerning this, so that we understand, right, as, as Christians, as believers, how to respond. Because I do believe that um, the greater catastrophe will come as a result of a bad response to the situation that is going on. And the first thing you've got to understand is that we've declared this year to be a year of quantum leaps, and you have started out this year with powerful declarations concerning the so you're going to experience this year. Uh, nobody in detail, all right, knew in detail that this kind of thing will come, even though we do and understood that there will be fierce winds and headwinds that will come, that you have no control over those winds. But what you have control over is your tongue. And what the tongue does is to set the direction, which means what will be the outcome of that particular thing. So the winds drive the sheep, but the governor of the sheep turns the tongue in a way such that the wind and the energy in that wind is used. It's a fierce wind, but it drives that particular sheep to the destination. So the tongue is not the driving force. The tongue is the governing force in it. The driving force is this adversity that the enemy thinks he will use this as something to destroy. But then we turn our tongue in a certain direction towards our goal. We understand that where our tongue all right, is turned towards is where this wind is going to carry us to. In other words, it's going to be a servant that will bring about the fulfillment of the things that we have been believing and declaring within our lives. So the tongue is a helm that sets the direction, but the wind is what drives that particular sheep. What the tongue does is that it sets the direction where that sheep will eventually get to. The wind drives. And so to have a fierce wind is, is really something that we should not allow to go to waste. We should, all right, utilize this, get our tongue right, speak, all right, consistently with the things that God has placed in our heart prior to this particular time. And this will be used to bring about the fulfillment of that particular thing. So don't get into negative speech. It, don't get in beginning to say wrong things understand that your tongue will ultimately determine where the sheep of your life will get to. Not the winds. The winds will act as the servant to carry your sheep to where your tongue is pointing to. Is when you behold lying vanities and you turn the tongue now and begin to struggle against that particular wind, that's where the problem really comes in. So we see this wind principle again in the book of Matthew, all right, Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22. And what we have here in Matthew 14 and verse 22 was Jesus, all right, in Matthew 14 here and verse 20. All right, let me read from there. It says, and straight away Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a sheep 
and to go before him onto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Now, what had happened prior to this time in verse 21 was that Jesus had multiplied loaves. And what had happened was that 5,000 men had eaten, all right, beside the women and children. And he sent all of them away and was taking his disciples to a higher level. And so what he said in 22 was, he says, he constrained his disciples, you my disciples, get into a ship, all right, and go before me to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. So the multitudes ate. And he said, you can now go. We're getting into some deeper dimension here. Now, verse 20, 23 here. It goes on and says, And when he had sent the multitude away, he went up to the mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. And then verse 24, it tells us, And the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary unto them. So the ship was now caught and was tossed with waves because there was a contrary wind. Now, verse 25 tells us, And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And in verse 26, it says, And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and cried out for fear. And it tells us, But straight away Jesus spake unto them, Be of good cheer, I do not be afraid. And verse 28, it tells us, Peter answered and said, Lord, if thou bid me, if it, if it be thou, bid me to come, that I may come on water. So there was a contrary wind. And we're going to look at two portions of scripture here. But at the same time that that contrary wind was blowing and they were struggling against it, Jesus was walking past, all right, on water. Now, what I want to say is, as this contrary wind is blowing, Jesus shows up. And he's showing up, walking on water, right beside what is going on. And he is operating on another supernatural level. And he wants to call his people, all right, into that particular level that he is operating at. So as this is going on in the natural, Jesus is right beside us. Now, you've got to understand this. Walking on water, walking on a level that he, we hadn't seen him prior to this time, and is right beside the boat of our lives. And it's important for us to, to capture and to recognize and Jesus was there and he said, it is I, don't be afraid, I'm the one here. Yeah. Now, if we look at the accounts that we find in, um, and, and we put it in, um, in, in line with this, it, it comes out very powerful. In Mark chapter 6 and verse 47, all right, to verse 52, Mark chapter 6, verse 47 to 52, it says, And when the evening was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone in the land. And then it tells us, And when he saw them toiling in ruin, for the wind was contrary unto them, and about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the water, and would have passed by them. Now, look at that scripture. He would have passed by them. In other words, if they didn't recognize him, he would have walked past. So Jesus is walking past right now. And he says here, now we have to recognize, all right, Jesus in the midst of all of this storm, because he will just walk past. And the entire thing goes to waste if we don't capture, all right, and have a clear-cut interpretation of what Jesus is doing. And he's not doing it inside the boat. He's doing it on the outside, walking on water. And so there is a call that there is a change that is actually happening in the world today. I mean, what we're seeing has never happened in modern history, at least modern history, maybe, last, maybe 100 years ago. But in modern history, we haven't seen something that is shaking the foundation of the world, changing things. I mean, nations are, are shutting down. 
uh, global. I mean, this is much more devastating on the natural realm than even September 11. The changes that it's summoning much more than even the financial crisis of 2008. Last week, it said $13 trillion wiped out from stock exchange all over the world. People's wealth are just being cut off. Now, that's going on there. And Jesus says, look, I'm walking here. There has to be a change that must occur here. Uh, you folks are in the boats. There has to be something that has got to change. All right? The way and manner in which you go about your things. And this uh, uh, Jesus summoning us uh, right, to another level to come and walk with him on a much more powerful level because now he's walking on water just by us and he can pass by and we miss the entire essence of this while we are caught up in the contrary wind and we are trying and toiling against it and we miss out on Jesus Christ just walking by them. Now if you go to the next scripture there in, in, in Mark there, all right, it says, but when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out. And Jesus, for they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and said, Be of good shades, I do not be afraid. Now look at what happened. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased. And they were so amazed. So in this account here, he came into the ship. All right. Now all the Peter stuff, they didn't talk about it here, but he came into the ship and the wind ceased. So this wind is going to cease. All right. This thing is going to come to an end. Uh, because Jesus is going to get into the boats of people. Uh, people are going to recognize his presence and so now this wind was blowing for every single person but in the waters there but the minute the disciples recognized jesus and just came into the boat it seized for every single person so a group of people on this earth are going to recognize jesus walking on water past and they're going to invite him at that level into their boat and after that it ceases and this will happen shortly so it will cease and once that ceases there they are the only people, that conscious minority, who will benefit all right, in, uh, from the fullness in terms of what God uh, is doing. Now, the enemy is doing his thing with the contrary wind, but Jesus comes walking by. Now, he wasn't the one that orchestrated the contrary wind. He wasn't behind it. It was a fierce wind. The Bible tells us in First Corinthians, had the princes of this world known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. In other words, it's wickedness that is being made manifest upon the earth. But what is meant for evil, God turns it around uh, for our good. So the important thing and the message here is to recognize Jesus in the midst of all of this. And how are we going to get to the place where we understand and we recognize him in the midst of this? Remember when Paul was praying and there was a messenger of Satan, which was a demonic spirit that was buffeting him. God says, I'm in the midst of this thing, in, 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 and, and, and you've got to, that's what I want you to focus on. And, and he said, first time, second time, then God said, my grace is sufficient for thee. In this your weakness shall my strength be made perfect. Uh, even the church as a body is going to change and be transformed by this. The way and manner in which we go about things. Uh, some of us will get out of that boat that we're used to to walk on water with Jesus in an unpredictable all right, realm there and experience more of God's power and, and to make us think outside of that boat that we have uh, survived and lived by and, and, and begin to look on the outside. And this will come by us being able to recognize Jesus as he walks past there on water. And remember that Paul therefore said, I now take pleasure. I understand the deeper meaning in all of this. Uh, there's a deeper meaning here. The enemy is doing his own stuff. It's not God. 
God wasn't the one that orchestrated any virus. All right, this has come through an opening into humanity that must, but that's something else that must have come as a result of some things. But then the Lord says, I'm going to now walk past and take this particular situation and bring about. He said, be of good cheer. I'm walking past. The minute I saw the struggle, I started walking on water. Now, I'm in a different mode. I'm in a different space. I'm on water. You've never seen me do that. So you have to look out. And the way to do that is you find him in what we call the prophetic word. And I'll explain what that means. And this is the challenge of the church in this hour. The ability to interpret the natural events in the light of that prophetic word. He says we should take heed as a light that shines in a dark place. He says a more sure word of prophecy in the book of Peter as a light that shines in a dark place. What does that mean? We are able to to see Jesus. You know, the scripture says that in all the law and prophets, Jesus showed them things concerning himself. So we're able to, in the word of God, to pray about this situation and to see what Jesus is doing in the midst of this and to hear directly from Jesus um, in the midst of all of this. So we we have got to um, respond uh, correctly to this. And, and so it's time now for us to have sound biblical teachings, all right, and open up ourselves uh, to the mind of Christ as it's found inside the scriptures there. And, and God is willing um, to do this. He's willing to do it. Because in Second Corinthians, he tells us that when he talked about the fact that in First Corinthians, sorry, chapter 2, and he talks about the fact that if you can put up from verse 6, please, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 6. Alright, if we go to verse 4. Let's start from verse 4. It says, My speech and my preaching was not in enticing words of man's wisdom, but in a demonstration of spirit and of power, that your wisdom, that your faith rather, should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And he said, How be it we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the prince of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which none of the, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the prince of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now this is a contrary wind. But at his written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. So it's a time, first of all, to get into the place of some traveling prayer. All right, because something significant is going on. It tells us about the shaking that will happen in Hebrews chapter 12 and uh, verse 24. It says, so that the things that are made, the word made them things, things that are man-made, the things that we have created with our own hands, the things that we have added to it that was not based on the design of God, those things might be removed so that the things that cannot be shaken shall remain. Can you put up Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 27? All right. It says, And this word yet once more signify the removing of those things that are shaken as of the things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. So we might even look at this in terms of church and say, what's going on? Now, what he's saying here is a shaking that is going on on the earth. And, and really this is shaking. What will make the two most powerful economies in the world and nations short their end. This, this is a serious shaking that is going on here. And what is going on is that he, Jesus is focused on his disciples. 
is focused on his church and 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 he wants to get something across to his people and once his people receive that particular thing into the boats there then he says well the purpose has been fulfilled here and that will bring about a change in things thank you for listening to today's podcast to listen to the full message or any other message please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org for any inquiries please call 0818 600 0082 god bless you